0: Get jolted into electrifying health and well-being with The Jolt Files. A spark of inspiration that will ignite your body and mind and shock you out of the same old routine. This is The Jolt Files with your host, Katherine Barry.
1: Hello and welcome to The Jolt Files. My name's Catherine Berry from Acupuncture Professional and I have with me Matthew Bauer, president of the Acupuncture Now Foundation. We've been talking about acupuncture and oriental medicine, the theory, philosophies and understanding that an acupuncturist would come to in order to come about a diagnosis with any given patient. Today we're gonna be focusing on disease, understanding disease from an acupuncture and oriental medicine perspective. What are the basic causes of disease?
0: The basic causes are either externally, that something attacks you from the outside, or internally and uh, something that's a kind of a breakdown of the normal balance and strength on the inside. There's actually a third type that we often can't do much about, and that's, that is called it inherited, and we would call it congenital.
1: Well, So Matt, let's go through those individually then. Could you tell me about the external causes of disease according to acupuncture and oriental medicine?
0: The main external factors really have to do with environmental factors. You know to to their great credit, the ancient Chinese realized that the the internal aspects of the body have to maintain certain parameters, certain proper balance between things like temperature and moisture and things like that, and that the external environment is obviously always changing. We have weather changes. And that as the external environment changes, that will cause a disruption or be a factor in how our body struggles to maintain that internal balance. So they designated six primary factors that can influence us from the outside, six weather-related things that can influence us from the outside.
1: Well, could you take us through those then? What, what are these different you know, factors that influence us?
0: And these are divided into kind of yin and yang uh, factors, but wind, for example, is considered a Yang pathogenic factor that can invade the body from the outside. One of the main jobs of our flesh is the use of pores, opening and closing pores on the skin and then like sweat glands. And why do we have these? We have these to make adjustments in that the flesh is a kind of barrier that uh, stands between the internal environment and the external environment. Well, wind can penetrate through those pores, especially, and cause disruption, especially starting on that surface layer. So that can cause a range of, of different problems. Old, that's considered a yin pathogenic factor that can cause a, a, a range of different problems. Dampness. As I said, it's not only about the temperature in the body, but it's also about the moisture level. Uh, too much dampness uh, can cause problems. That's a yin factor. Dryness, of course, the opposite, is another factor. That's considered a yang pathogenic factor. And then there's heat, too much heat on the, on the inside. And um, we actually have variation of that, which is call, caused, uh, called a summer heat. Uh, but both of those are yang pathogenic factors.
1: Could you give us some examples of the symptoms that somebody might present with, with, say, for example, a wind invasion, a cold invasion, a damp invasion, heat, summer heat and dryness?
0: Well, as I said, with the wind invasion, it it often manifests in things on that flesh layer, that level of protecting between the inside and the outside. So it can lead to things like a, a tightening of the of the flesh, so it could lead to some things that could cause spasm. I, I mentioned in a previous podcast about a patient of mine that developed a twitchingness in the face that could be caused by an invasion of wind. Another thing that could affect the flesh like that and the nerves in the flesh is facial hemiplasia, which is called bell's palsy. That's often because of an invasion of wind. It could also lead to things like headache. So a cold pathogenic factor is something that could cause the sudden onset of symptoms of, of chilliness. can often be say, found in a cold. Somebody gets chills, and maybe uh, some body ache, and it could go into affecting things like the digestive system. Dampness is a factor that really leads to kind of sluggishness that might lead a person to have some degree of of edema or some puffiness bloatedness to the to the skin they they might also have extra whether it's extra urination or moisture maybe in their lungs where they're wheezing and have some phlegm that they bring up heat and fire are usually considered like interchangeable terms. Heat symptoms will include things like getting a fever. So, mentioned about catching a cold. For example, if you catch a cold and you have some chills, maybe you have some fever and some chills. If the chills really are the main feature, you have a lot of chills and a little fever, that's more considered a cold condition. If you have some fever or feeling of flushness and hotness and a little chills, but the fever is the predominant thing, then that would be considered more of a heat condition, even though you have a little bit of cold symptoms. And by the way, that's one of the things that really does take training to distinguish because we say yin and yang are never completely separate. There's a little yin within the yang and vice versa. So. Often when people present some of these symptoms, there will be some mixture of something that could seem to be its opposite, and that's what takes training to figure out the difference between them. So what we call the summer heat uh, often depletes the chi the and body fluids, which can cause things like dehydration and exhaustion. Uh, dryness is, again, related, somewhat related to the fire and heat, but involves more drying of body fluids. So that would include things like having dry cough, dry eyes, dry nose, dry mouth, and so forth.
1: So looking at these external causes of disease, what elements do these belong to according to the five elemental phases that we spoke about in a previous podcast?
0: The five elements or five phases are wood, fire, earth, metal, and water. The wind, for example, would relate to the wood element which is a, a spring season and the cold would be more of the water element which is the winter season the dampness can be related to the partly in the in the summer it kind of depends on the climate but uh, we often see like where there's a lot of humidity so that's where environmental manifestations start to get a little bit clumped in with the different elements heat especially the summer heat, of course, is related to the summer, and the dryness is often related to the autumn season, which is the metal element that relates to the lungs.
1: So that's an interesting overlay of the five-elemental theory, the yin-yang theory, and obviously the way that our external environment can in fact influence our physical health. And then, of course, we then talked about some of the other factors that come into play, the different organs. So, Matt, could you then take us through the internal causes of disease? We've just been talking about the external causes, the things that we might find in our environment. What then are the ones that might be part of our internal environment that will cause an imbalance or disharmony?
0: There are several things that can cause internal and and one of them being our dietary intake if we take too much of certain foods or too little of certain foods then that can be a significant problem and interesting thing about the use of the five element system as it relates to diet or nutrition is that foods are related one of the five element manifestations is the five taste of bitter sour hot or, or pungent sweet and salty so, like, for example, if somebody is getting too much of one kind of taste, if they have they really love the salty food and they eat salty food all the time, that has to do with the water element, and that can end up causing a problem in the water element.
1: Within all of this, Matt, where does exercise fit in either too much or not enough exercising and what this means for somebody's health?
0: the The whole perspective on from traditional Chinese medicine, view of life and health was that yes we're born with a certain combination of strengths and weaknesses which really come from our parents which are yin and yang you know mother father we have parents and then then the unique life that that every child is brings that third element in that's kinda like the yin and yang and the one that's between them so you you start off with this makeup of these yin and yang energy tendencies these strengths and weaknesses and then as we go on through our life we have to constantly replenish are we're constantly burning energy with every second of our lives every thought every movement we make burns energy so we have to constantly bring energy sources in from the outside from food and air especially which again is yin and yang energies that we bring inside us our body processes those energies refines them and turns them into an energy our system can burn so we do burn food we do burn energy by movement so someone might think well wouldn't it be more energy efficient if I just didn't move and did nothing but bring in food and air well not really No, because that's that's not the way it works in that we are it is natural to move we do need to move we need to move not only to get our food uh, and, and even to bring in the air, but we, we need to move because we are moving creatures. We, that is natural. So we do need some degree of natural movement in order to be uh, at our healthiest. So like everything else, just like we need a combination of the five flavors in our diet, Then the question becomes, well, how much is too much and and when do we know if it's too little? And the same thing goes exercise-wise. We do need to move in order for those internal organs and glands to process the raw materials from food and air and make them into a kind of energy we can burn. we, We have to move in order for that process to happen. So then we have to look at, okay, what kind of movement is good? And how much or how little should you do and how do you know if you're over or underdoing it?
1: And that's a great question, Matt. What might somebody experience who is underdoing it? You know, what are the symptoms of people being too sedentary? What sort of things might we see? And in fact, it's a, a leading question because, of course, we're already seeing it now health population degrading around the world.
0: Yes, we do see, we're, we're seeing the, the fallout of our own success of a, a combination of making food more available to us and also labor-saving devices, so we don't have to move as much to get our food and to do our work in the day. Uh, so yes, of course, underactivity leads to not only things like weight gain, o- o- obesity, uh, but just low energy level, lethargy, um, and uh, low physical ability—just not being able to, you know, walk up that hill or um, do do physical work and it also tends to lead to that emotion we talked about it tends to lead to that pensiveness that melancholy that kinda stuck you know couch potato sort of of, of mode so underactive activity it also tends to really influence our digestion if you're not moving you're not stimulating the digestion of food you usually end up with poor elimination and um so that there are, and and you maybe tend to sleep a lot, but not feel real refreshed. You're not you're not wearing yourself out with activity that then makes you sleep in a really deep, restful way. So then you wake up and feel like it's a new day, and you have energy to start that new day. So it's a kind of combination of things, and almost a snowballing sort of effect. But we definitely see this clinically. Too many people are far too inactive.
1: I now want to move on to another factor that you mentioned earlier and that was the constitutional factor and that pertaining to someone's genetic makeup or their you know physical and energetic in- inherited factors.
0: Well, it's it's kind of like the hand you're dealt at birth. You know everybody has kind of strengths and weaknesses that you know, things that they have going for them and then things that are not so much going for them. And the basic idea in Chinese medicine is We can't really turn a weakness into a strength. If you're born with a tendency towards having a weakness in a certain area, that will tend to continue to be a weakness for you. But the whole idea of using this this really comprehensive and so subtle and brilliant system is we want to be able to take advantage of the strengths that we have. Because even if you're born with a strength, you can squander that so we want to get the most we can out of our strengths and we also want to do as much as we can to shore up our weaknesses you're not going to turn it in, a weakness into a strength but you can do things to reduce the negative impact the fallout that happens and to, to keep it to be as minimal of a detriment as you can now that especially happens in things like diet and things like that that if you're born with a certain weakness, then there's things you can do food-wise, herb-wise too, and things we do with acupuncture and those techniques that help to continually try to make the best of that situation.
1: So it's interesting, even within that very ancient Chinese medical system, they're still allowed for genetic coding and genetic uh, inheritance being passed down to generations and of course we all know that when we look at our family members and uh, certainly there's often a cluster of health conditions which follow families. It's in fact one of the biggest diagnostic techniques that that medical practitioners use is, is family history of a certain disease and therefore the risk to the patient themselves. And I think in summing up the most important message we have for you listening today is to go and seek your local acupuncturist. That By understanding all of these different factors that are at play, your acupuncturist will be able to help you recover from any condition that you have which is impeding you working or training or exercising or feeling your very best. So contact your local acupuncturist. You've been listening to Catherine Berry from Acupuncture Professional and Matthew Bauer, President of the Acupuncture Now Foundation. Stay tuned for another episode of The Jolt Files.
0: Thanks for listening to The Jolt Files, your electrifying source of healthy East meets West wisdom. Zap over to thejoltfiles.com for exclusive content and special offers and join us on the next episode to get your spark for life recharged.